Welcome to the Wisdom Calls channel, helping you understand the Bible better so you can have a better relationship with God and what your pastor never told you.com, helping you navigate the end times so you can stand firm until the return of Christ. Get ready. This is not your average Bible study. This is not for the faint of heart. If it's controversial and in the Bible, we'll talk about it. We are unashamedly, unabashedly, and unpredictably bringing out the truth in God's Word. And now, introducing your dynamic hostess with the mostest. She's an international speaker, author, and self-admitted nerd for the Word, Dana Crosby. Are you ready for what your pastor never told you about the book of Revelation, chapter 14? That's coming up next. Make sure to visit whatyourpastorneverToldyou.com. Hey everybody, this is Dana with the Wisdom Calls channel, helping you to understand the Bible better so that you can have a better relationship with God. Welcome to Bible study today. If you're new here, consider smashing that subscribe button down below because we are producing amazing content for you about two to three times a week with amazing videos on Bible prophecy, end times Bible prophecy. We're right in the middle of an amazing series right now on what your pastor never told you about the book of Revelation. And we're finding out what does the Bible actually have to say about end times. We're understanding what the end times is going to look like based on what the scriptures say and not based out of what we've read in some other book or seen on some movie at some point in time. I want to encourage you guys to visit my website, whatyourpastornevertoldyou.com. This is so important that you go to the website, sign up for my messages that I'm going to be sending out via email so that you guys can have exclusive content just for you. Plus, you will not be censored when YouTube and Facebook and all of these sources continue to crack down on promotion of Christian materials, you're going to be able to get that material right away. So make sure that you check out whatyourpastornevertoldyou.com. If you find this content valuable and you'd like to share it with your friends, please send them on over to our website. It's super easy to remember whatyourpastornevertoldyou.com. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and jump right into our Bible study today, which is Revelation chapter 14. By way of review, we talked about in Revelation in chapter 13, we were introduced to two beasts, one that came up out of the water and one that came up out of the land. These are the two end times beasts, one representing the Antichrist and Antichrist kingdom, one representing the false prophet. Now we're coming to Revelation 14. And, and actually just before this, we also saw that believers were being persecuted and that people were given the mark of the beast, which is the mark 666 on the hand or on the forehead and that people that had not received the mark were not able to trade, were not able to buy or sell things, which you can imagine would make it very difficult. We do see, however, that Satan's authority during this time is going to be limited to three and a half years. It's not an indefinite period of time. It's only three and a half years. So let's jump here to Revelation chapter 14. And as we had seen before, Revelation 12 through Revelation 14 spans a large time. It's not jumping in chronology, you know, chronologically right after, you know, Revelation chapter 11. Um, this is spanning a larger portion of time. And so we have to determine where it is based on markers within the text. So let's go ahead and read here Revelation chapter 14. Then I looked and before me was the lamb standing on Mount Zion with him, and with him, 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. So here we have a different crowd of people and has a different name written on their foreheads. And this is 144,000. 
Where have we heard this number before? This number was brought to our attention in Revelation chapter 7. So let's read that real quick. I'm just going to read a portion of it because we did a whole video on it. If you've missed that video, click up here and you can watch that whole video so you can see the parallels here. But we see here um, that there were um, 144,000 from the tribe of Israel that were sealed. It says here, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given the power to harm the land and the sea, do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servant of our God. In this passage, it's 144,000, you can read it all, uh, from the tribe of Israel, from, from the tribes of Israel. So we've got... Uh, um, 12,000 from each of these tribes, and it's really important to realize that is speaking of Israel, okay? Just so that people don't get, get confused, because sometimes whenever they hear the phrase God's holy people, they assume that is Israel. Here, when we're talking about 144,000, this is speaking of Israelites. Israelites. Verse 2, and I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of rushing waters and like a loud peal of thunder. Then I heard, the sound I heard was like that of harpists playing their harps. And they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. What does that word redeemed means? It means purchased. So the 144,000 that had been purchased, bought back from the earth. These are those who did not defile themselves with women, for they remained virgins. They follow the lamb wherever he goes. They were purchased from among mankind and offered as first fruits to God and the lamb. No lie was found in their mouths. They are blameless. Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens and the earth, the sea and the springs of water. So here we find out that in the last days, there's going to be an angel that goes forth and proclaims the eternal gospel all over the entire earth. So whatever portions of the earth that have not yet been reached with the gospel, this angel is going to proclaim it. Also notice that it says to fear God, to give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. In other words, prior to this time, his judgment has not come on the earth, but at this moment, his judgment is about to come on the earth. And so he is giving the earth its final call for those who want to join God's team, who want to be saved, and those who are going to continue in rebellion. Verse 8. A second angel followed and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives its mark on their forehead or on their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There will be no rest, day or night, for those who worship the beast and its image, or for anyone who receives the mark of its name. This calls for the patient endurance on the part of the people of God. 
who keep its commands and remain faithful to Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. Okay, so here this is pretty fascinating, because God is so good, so good, that he is willing to send angels out to proclaim the gospel one final time to people so that there can be no excuse that the people on earth never heard the gospel. He's going to do that because of his loving kindness. And then it says here he's even going to send an angel to warn the people not to take the mark of the beast. So God is going to send a warning over the whole earth so that no one will take the mark of the beast by accident. And obviously there's a choice in the matter. Otherwise, why, if there was no choice, if people were being forced to do it, if it was being put on them like a brand where they were just being held down and it was being put on them, this warning wouldn't make any sense, nor would the punishment make any sense. But this, this mark has to be voluntary. So it's going to be something that you will have to choose to take. Now, there may be consequences if you don't take it. Not only will you have difficulty getting any food, but in addition to that, um, you may be killed for not taking the mark. But they cannot force you to take the mark. Does this make sense? Also, here again, it says that this is going to call for the patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep the commands and remain faithful to Jesus. So I feel like this is, again, around the time where we were reading about um, right up until like the sixth seal where we read about the saints and the Lord that are dying, that are being persecuted. It's probably going to happen right about that time. And it's saying this is calling for patient endurance of the saints. And it's saying to keep his commands and to remain faithful to Jesus. So it's obviously not talking about the Jews at this time. We see that there is a blessing in verse 13. Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. And this is something that I think the people that are persuaded of the pre-trib version, in other words, that the rapture is going to happen prior to the tribulation, they have in their minds that the good Christians are going to go early and those who are somehow unfaithful or backslidden or something like that are going to remain and they're going to be forced to go through this. But we see over and over again through the scriptures that Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. He says you have to be willing to die. If you're going to be if you're willing to lose your sake for my sake, then you're you're going to you will gain it. But if you are trying to hold on to your life, you're going to lose it. So we see that over and over through the scriptures and here it says, "Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on." Not like, "Okay, you backsliders, this is what you get for being a backslider when Christ returned. You missed the rapture, you missed the boat, and so now you're going to have to die and suffer." No, you guys, do you realize that right now there's more persecution, more deaths of Christians during this era than of any era previous to now? So what are you saying about those people that are dying for their faith, that you somehow in America are better than them because you're going to get raptured out, but they, they can't, they have to go through it? No, by no means. Those who die for their faith are the most elevated those who die for their faith should be most honored. Those who die for their faith are going to be most blessed. They are not dishonored because they're having to go through persecution. God is going to reward them for what they're going through. It is our flesh that doesn't like to suffer. It's our flesh that wants to get out of suffering. And that makes sense. No one wants to have to go through persecution. No one wants to have to die for their faith. 
I don't want that. Nobody wants that. But Christ is saying, if you'll pick up your cross and you'll follow me, look look at the reward that's going to happen. You're going to be blessed. There's a special reward that will happen for you. And it's not that you are somehow um, not as good as your brothers or sisters that don't have to die for your faith. No, if you're dying for your faith, I'm going to look up to you. I'm going to respect you. But the pre-tribulation position disrespects those that are in this passage of time. It says that you're only there because somehow you, you missed the boat earlier. And I'm sorry, that's not what the scriptures have to say. And I'm tired of people disrespecting those future saints that are going to have to die for their beliefs. It may be you, it may be someone you know, but let's not disrespect them because they're going to be called to give the ultimate price, to pay the ultimate price for their faith. Let's not disrespect them and say somehow they weren't as good as the rest of us. That, you know, that just doesn't make sense. No, what's happening here is that this is going to happen prior to the rapture. Some people say, well, how can the pre-wrath position be correct? Because doesn't the Bible say to comfort one another with these words about the rapture, to comfort each other? And yes, the Bible does say to comfort each other. And they will say, well, how is it comforting to hear that you're going to die for your faith? But let me ask you this. What comfort does a person need who is raptured out ahead of any persecution or any trial? No. In that scenario, no one needs to be comforted because you just escape. You just get out of it. No. The comfort that is brought to us is that though we are suffering, here's the comfort. God is going to come and rescue us and we will not have to endure his wrath. That is the comfort. That is our comfort. Okay? We really need to be willing to lay down our preconceptions that have been taught to us oftentimes by the church, by books, by movies, and lay them down for what the scriptures actually say. It is my hope and my prayer that as we have been going through these scriptures together, that the Holy Spirit reveals to you and confirms to you that these things are true. So let me read it again. Starting in verse 12, this calls for the patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor and their deeds will follow them. May the Lord bless us and may he give us the grace to stand and endure faithfully in the face of persecution in the days to come. Now we see what's about to happen because we go from seeing the wrath of Satan to the wrath of God. In verse 14, I looked, and there before me was a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was one like the Son of Man, and a golden crown, and a crown of gold on his head, and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then another angel came out from the temple and called in a loud voice to him who was sitting on the cloud, Take your sickle and reap, because the time to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who was seated on the, seated on the cloud swung his sickle over earth, and the earth was harvested. Okay, so who's the one sitting on the cloud? We've talked about this before. The one coming on the cloud is none other than Jesus. He's like the Son of Man. In other words, he's human in form. And he has a crown of gold on his hand, head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And then he is told to 
to reap. He is told to reap the earth, okay? So to me, when you're reaping the earth, you're reaping in the wheat, when you're bringing in the wheat, that's those are the Christians. When you're bringing in the good fruit, that's the Christians. And when the Bible talks about the wrath, it's talking about the grapes. And you're going to see that here. Another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. Still another angel who had charge of the fire came from the altar and called in a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle. Take your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of grapes from the earth's vine, because its grapes are ripe. The angel swung his sickle on the earth, gathered its grapes, and threw them into the great winepress of God's wrath. And they were trampled in the winepress outside the city. And the blood flowed out of the press, rising as high as the horse's bridles, for a distance of 1,600 stadia. So, huge amounts of bloodshed here. Up to the horse's bridles is pretty deep. That's going to be about four feet deep. And it's saying that it's going on for 1,600 stadia. That's a very long ways. So what I want us to do real quick is to go through some of the scriptures that talk about this wine press, these grapes and this wine press. Jeremiah 25, 15 talks about the cup of God's wrath. And he's talking about how his wrath is going to go forth to all the nations. So he's going to bring about judgment on all these surrounding nations surrounding Israel. In verse 30, it says, Now prophesy all these words against them and say to them, The Lord will roar from on high. He will thunder from his holy dwelling. He will roar mightily against his land. He will shout like those who tread the grapes, shout against all who live on the earth. The tumult will resound to the ends of the earth. For the Lord will bring charges against the nations. He will bring judgment on all mankind and put the wicked to the sword, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Look, disaster is spreading from nation to nation. A mighty storm is rising from the ends of the earth. At that time, those slain by the Lord will be everywhere, from one end of the earth to the other. They will not be mourned or gathered up or buried, but will be like dung lying on the ground. Weep and wail, you shepherds. Roll in the dust, leaders of the flock, for your time to be slaughtered has come. You will fall like the best of the rams. The shepherds will have nowhere to flee, and the leaders of the flock, no place to escape. Hear the cry of the shepherds, the wailing of the leaders of the flock, for the Lord is destroying their pasture. The peaceful meadows will be laid waste because of the fierce anger of the Lord. Like a lion, he will leave his lair, and their land will become desolate because of the sword of the oppressor, because of the Lord's fierce anger. So again, we see a passage talking about this cup of wrath that God is going to pour out and that it is going to be a fury over the whole entire earth and there are going to be many, many slain. The blood is going to be very high. And this is a gruesome thing to read about, but it is important for us to understand. We should have a healthy fear and respect of the Lord. And I hope and pray that the people of earth will have a fear of the Lord, that they will hear these words and understand that there is judgment that is coming coming. They do not want to be on the wrong side of that judgment that is coming. And then again in Joel 3, verse starting in verse 12. Now we know Joel 3 to be an end times prophecy chapter. Um, the book of Joel is just amazing talking about the end times. And so we've read passages of that, long passages of that in the past, and we've talked about the sign of the sun and the moon going dark. Um, look at here 
at verse 12, it says, Let the nations be roused and let them advance in the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there I will sit to judge the nations on every side. Swing the sickle. Remember we heard about swinging the sickle just now in Revelation 14? For the harvest is ripe. Come and trample the grapes, for the winepress is full and the vats overflow. So great is their wickedness. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision or that can also be translated judgment. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision or judgment. The sun and the moon will be darkened. The stars will no longer shine. The Lord will roar from Zion and thunder from Jerusalem. And the earth and the heavens will tremble. But the Lord will be a refuge for his people, a stronghold for the people of Israel. Okay, and then again in Isaiah 63, I know these chapters are really intense, but it's important for us to know what the whole Bible says, not just the parts that sound really great to us. You know what I mean? And also, it is great that God is finally pouring out judgment. Our hearts cry out for justice. When evil is done, our hearts cry out for justice. And this will be the time when that will be fulfilled. Isaiah 63, verse 1, Who is this coming from Edom, from Bozrah, with his garment stained crimson? Who is this robed in splendor, striding forward in the greatness of his strength? It is I proclaiming victory, mighty to save. Why are your garments like those of one treading the, the wine press? So in those days, they would erect this giant structure to throw all the grapes in, and then they would stomp on the grapes to press the wine out, and the grape juice would flow out. And so Jesus is giving us an idea of what it's going to be like in this end times for those that have to um, endure the wrath of God. It is going to be gruesome and gory. It says here, I have trodden the wine press alone. From the nations, no one was with me. I trampled them in my anger and trod them down in my wrath. Their blood spattered my garments. I stained all my clothing. It was for me the day of vengeance. The year for me to redeem had come. So he's talking about redemption and vengeance. Redemption and vengeance. So he's going to redeem the earth, claim it back for himself. But in the meantime, there's going to be vengeance that comes out upon the earth as well. I looked and there was no one to help. I was appalled that no one gave support. So my own arm achieved salvation for me and my own wrath sustained me. I trampled the nations in my anger and in my wrath, I made them drunk and poured their blood on the ground. So very severe for what's going to happen to the nations that are in opposition and the peoples that are in opposition to God. There's one final reference I want to go to here that we're going to go to in more in depth later on. But again, this all ties in. And like we were talking about, the chapters Revelation 12 through 14 span a wide span of time. And um, so here we're going to read in Revelation 19 a little bit more about this idea about God's wrath being poured out. Revelation 19, verse 11, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. Now, this is a name for Jesus. The rider is called Faithful and True. And we also have seen that Jesus comes riding on a cloud, which is white. And here we have a white horse that he is riding on. So we see there's some symbolic unity here, unity here between the cloud and the horse. It says, um, his eyes are like a blazing fire and his, on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on, a white, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword 
with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. Now, where have we heard this phrase before? While it was prophesied in the Old Testament that Jesus, the Messiah, would rule them with an iron scepter. I believe it's in Isaiah. But also we read it again in Revelation 12 about the baby that was born, the male child that was born to the woman. And the male child is obviously Jesus because he is the one who rules them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has the name, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice, voice to the, all the birds flying in midair, come and gather together for the great supper of God so that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and the mighty, of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all the people, free and slave, great and small. And then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider of the horse and his army. But the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet who had performed the signs on its behalf, and with these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider of, on the horse, and all the bird, birds gorged themselves on their flesh." So these are some pretty gory passages that we read here in scripture, but it's talking about the justice of God, the wrath of God being poured out upon the wicked of the earth. And it's very important that those who are not walking in the right way now get to hear about the judgment that is coming so that they have time to turn and repent, to turn away from God because it's not too late to turn away because God is going to pour out his fury on this earth against those who have continued in rebellion towards him about against all of those who corrupt the earth with their wickedness he will pour out his fury upon them and we have seen in these passages both in revelation 14 revelation 19 isaiah 63 and elsewhere joel that the wine press is symbolic for the wrath of God that is going to be poured out upon the wicked. Those grapes are not good. Those grapes are the wicked of the earth and they are going to be trodden down by our Messiah, by our Savior. And so we see that is what the end of them is going to be. And so that's what we conclude with at the end of Revelation chapter 14. I want to thank you so much for joining me in this intense but good Bible study that we've had today. And I look forward to the next Bible study that we're going to do together. We're going to be continuing on in Revelation chapter 15. And we see as we go through Revelation that we are going to see the triumph of the Lamb of God. And we are going to see the restoration of all things. We are going to see um, the good that God always ends with. He has his punishment for a season, but then we have the joy of his restoration and his redemption because he seeks to redeem all things and we look forward to that redemption so make sure you subscri subscribe if you haven't yet go ahead and smash that subscribe button down below and I just want to thank you so much for joining us for a Bible study today until next time I'm Dana with the wisdom calls channel helping you to understand the Bible better so that you can have a better relationship with God have a blessed day
Thank you for listening to the Wisdom Calls podcast. For more exclusive content, visit whatyourpastornevertoldyou.com. Sign up for emails and get updates. Also, there you'll find our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube channels. Thanks for listening and join us next time.